Hi, and welcome to She Said, She Said. I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. I hope you're safe and you're well wherever you happen to be. And I also hope that you've had a chance to check out our last conversation with Dr. Lucy McBride. Lucy gave us great advice and perspective on not only the coronavirus, but perhaps more importantly for many of us, how to cope with the anxiety and stress around that, remembering things as simple as just breathing and taking time for ourselves and recognizing that all of this affects us, um, our mental health in many ways. So I encourage you to check out that conversation if you haven't had a chance. Today we're gonna go in a very different direction and talk about productivity and time management. That may sound a little strange, but I think under the circumstances where so many of us are struggling with how do you make working from home as efficient and effective as possible, but also how do you do that for many of us if you have children involved who are also responsible for engaging in virtual learning. Many of us are very overwhelmed by how to make all the pieces fit. And if you're anything like me, you're really appreciating your kids' teachers about right now. Um, it adds a whole nother layer of anxiety and stress, not to mention uncharted territory for many of us. So while I recognize not everyone has children, I think you'll really appreciate my next guest. She's Laura Vanderkam, and she is a time management and productivity expert, and she'll be joining me via Zoomcast from her home office just outside of Philadelphia. Laura is the author of seven books, five on time management. The most recent is Juliet's School of Possibilities, as well as a book called Off the Clock, which I included uh, actually in last week's She Said, She Said podcast newsletter. Um, I think it's a great book um, because it looks at and focuses in part on how to make time more meaningful to you. I'm going to talk to Laura about that along with a number of other topics. Laura also has two terrific podcasts. My favorite is called Before Breakfast. It's a five to 10 minute quick fix productivity podcast, which I highly recommend. All of Laura's content is terrific, and I'll include links to her website in the show notes. Laura uh, has a TED Talk called How to Gain Control of Your Free Time. It has been viewed more than 8 million times. She's also a regular contributor to the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, various magazines, and she consults on time management and productivity strategies, both for individuals and for corporate clients. On top of all of that, she is the mother of five children, including an infant that is three months old. Like so many of us, she's working from home and also conducting some version of homeschool. So I think she's literally the perfect person to talk to as we navigate this new world of working from home. And as Laura says on her own podcast, she's going to help you make the most of your time. Laura, welcome to She Said, She Said. Thanks for having me. I'm so delighted to have you. I have been a big fan for several years, so it's great to have a chance to actually visit with you. Well, thanks for having me again. Yeah, this will be a great conversation. Of course. Okay, so you are the mother of five. I'd love to know how you're doing. 
Well, we are hanging in there. Um, the kids have been pretty good sports about all this disruption in their lives. Um, we've been out of school for about two weeks now. Um, the kids have adjusted to doing some distance learning and some uh, more self-directed assignments. They've been playing a lot together. I guess that's the upside of having five kids. There's always somebody else around. Um, so it's, I think, been tougher for some people who have you know, one kid because then there's no play dates and, and that's a lot harder. Um, so our, our house is a bit of a constant play date for better or for worse. <laughs> so your kids range in age from three months to? 12 years. So they're 12, 10, 8, 5, and a baby. So they're really doing very different things at this point. Yeah, although the older four are all in, a, in an age where they can play together. I mean, the four of them are within seven years of each other. So there's, there's definitely things that they can overlap with. Yeah, yeah. We are in such unusual times to state the obvious. How do you recommend for somebody who has not faced this scenario of A, working from home on a, you know, going on a, on a long-term basis, but also managing that with kids who are potentially or ultimately virtually schooling. How do you kind of get started with setting up some kind of a program or, or, or way to do that? Well, certainly none of this situation is ideal and we all know that. Um, and, and the good news is it won't last forever. So I think while you do need to pace yourself that it could be a month or two, we, we certainly would not say it's gonna be over tomorrow. On the other hand, you know, it won't be two years either. So it's, it's okay to do things now that you might not do long term um, because part of this is about getting through the next few weeks and months. Um, I, I love working from home. I think it's great. I run my business out of my home office. Um, I think for many people doing some work remotely is in fact a strategic advantage. If you don't have to commute, that's all kinds of time you get back in your life, which you can use for thinking and dreaming and planning and, and being a more energetic person. So all sorts of upsides to that. However, I always tell people it's very important to have childcare if you are working from home. It's, it's not a great way to save money in that regard. Um, but of course, for many people, we don't get to choose the circumstances right now. Uh, you're working from home uh, without a huge amount of planning and prep for that. You also suddenly have your kids at home because daycare or school is closed. Um, so it's not ideal at all, but that said, it's reality. Right. And unhappiness comes from a mismatch between expectations and reality. And if you cannot change reality, which we can't, then you're better off changing your expectations. So this is the way it is. So we're going to set rules, set structures, uh, set routines that work with this new normal. Yeah. Laura, give me a few examples for maybe how this is working in your own life in terms of setting those expectations. And I would love for you to talk too about being compassionate with yourself. It's easy for us to be really hard on ourselves, especially as women. Um, if we're not meeting all those expectations that we set out or all those various sort of learning modules that our kids are going to have or do have, how do you manage all of that? What's your advice? Well, Limiting your expectations is definitely important. I try to set a couple intentions for each day of what I plan to get done professionally. And one of the best productivity tips I've ever learned is to keep, keep that list incredibly short. Like we're talking three to five things. Now, obviously, there are many more things in the universe that you could be doing. But let's limit today's list to three to five things. And the reason is that you will do 
three to five things. You won't do 20. So there's no point in giving yourself 20 assignments and then only doing five of them and feeling terrible. Uh, I mean, if you, there's no point in putting something on a to-do list and then not doing it. It's just as not done as if you'd never put it on the list in the first place, only now you feel bad about it, right? So make a short list. Um, and if, you know, when you get through those things, great, you can celebrate and you can keep going tomorrow. And yes, it seems like getting through three to five things a day doesn't seem like very much, but if you do this consistently and they are all important things, like you're, you're going to be unstoppable. Yeah. Laura, how do you get your kids engaged in maybe coming up with their own list, taking some responsibility and some initiative for their own learning, for their own uh, things on their to-do list? How do you do that? Yeah, well, kids definitely need to be self-directed these days. If you're trying to work and direct your kids' schooling, you simply can't be there constantly. Um, and, and I think it's important to have conversations with kids that you expect them to rise to the occasion. Um, you know, you, you already did fifth grade. The, the assignment is not about you learning the stuff from fifth Amen. grade. It's about the child learning the stuff from fifth grade. And so you can be a resource for specific questions. But in general, mom, help me with my math is not the right question for a kid to be asking. And you can have these conversations. You, you can talk about that. Um, what we've been doing in our household is... Uh, creating a checklist for each kid for the day of the things that they need to do, um, which includes uh, some silent reading, includes the assignments that their teachers have given them for distance learning, includes instrument practice, and maybe another project of some sort. Um, we generally say that they need to be up and dressed by about nine o'clock. Um, they need to finish with their assignments roughly by lunch. If it goes a little past, that's okay, but they're still responsible for doing them. Uh, and, and so having that rough timeline gives some structure to the day and then the afternoon can be do, you know, used more for, for quiet time, for outdoor play and things like that. Yeah, yeah. How do you manage, I've, I've heard from several moms who are listeners about sort of knowing when their kids are particularly anxious, especially in this environment and, you know, striking the right balance between helping their kids get things done but also recognizing that we're in such an unusual place that kids are, some of them, especially younger ones, maybe internalizing what's going on in a way that they're not able to express. Is that something that you've had any experience with or thoughts on? Well, yes. I mean, this is difficult for everyone in the sense that we haven't been through this before and kids can pick up on that, especially if their parents are anxious. So I think one of the best things you can do is realize that particularly if you have young kids, they may not remember all the details of, you know, people's obsession of how many masks a hospital in Kansas happens to have and other things that we're all reading the headlines about, but they will pick up on how you handled it and whether you treated this time as an opportunity to spend a little bit more time together, to get to know each other as a family, um, or whether you were just a anxious mess. So I think try to do the work on yourself, uh, and then the kids will pick up on that. You can still do some things that are the same uh, as you would at other times. Um, you know, friends that they would have been seeing regularly, maybe you can do FaceTime with or uh, Skype or Zoom with them. Um, if you normally read stories before bed, please keep doing that, right? If you, um, you know, had any other rituals that normally happen, try to keep doing those too. And the goal, and, and this is really, you know, one of the things I've been talking about with my husband is that we want them to look back on this time as more of 
an adventure than as a time of anxiety. And so if we can convey that, then that will be our gift to them. Yeah. You know, that's a great point and it's a great segue. I wanted you to talk for a moment about your book, Off the Clock. I was struck as I was, as I was reading it, and I've been reading it in this environment over the course of the last couple of weeks, that it, the advice in the book is so spot on for what we're dealing with now in terms of getting as much true value from the time that you're spending together as possible. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that and this notion of being very mindful of your time and making it memorable. Yeah, well, time keeps passing whether you think about how you're spending it or not. And that is true for time in the middle of a pandemic as it is for anything else. And so given that we will eventually be on the other side of it, I think it's worth asking yourself, well, how do I want to look back on this time? Um, as I am telling the story of this time three years from now, five years from now, you know, 25 years from now, when your grandkids are asking you, like, Grandma, how, how, what did you do <laughs> during COVID-19? You know, what are you going to tell them? Like, what is the story of this time going to be? Um, and when you think about that narrative, which you can actually write now, it helps you be more mindful of the time and think about how you want to plan your days and think about how you want to structure the, your days and think about how any you know, changes you want to make going forward, how you might view this time as an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, there's so, this is part of what I find so difficult about the whole experience is that there are moments that truly feel like such a gift. We are together as a family and not everyone has that uh that that you know luxury or or is as blessed and i recognize that but and at at the same time i feel some guilt um if i'm enjoying this for a moment then i immediately begin to think about people who are less fortunate and so there's such a range of conflicting emotions with all of this that i find it really really challenging Yes. Well, that's life. Life is vast. Life yeah. has contradictions. And yes, you can pause and enjoy uh, moments that are good. You can savor those good moments while acknowledging that there are plenty of other moments too. I, I don't see any contradiction here. I mean, this is part of wisdom is recognizing that you can be happy about good moments while recognizing that they are neither universal nor going to occupy all of your time either. Yeah, no, that's really, that's really great advice. Okay, so Laura, because this is She Said, She Said podcast, and we're, we are, we focus primarily on our guest and how she got into the work that she's doing and how she thinks about things like impact and how she's overcome obstacles. We talk about all these sorts of things. I would love for you to talk a little bit about what was it about time management and productivity that piqued your interest? How, had you always been somebody who was a big tracker of your time? How did this come about? What, 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 what bit you that got you interested in this space? Yeah, no, I, I mean, there wasn't some blinding moment of insight. And, and looking back, it wasn't some moment where I hit rock bottom and then had to you know, redo all my time. I've probably always been interested in scheduling. If I look back on you know, my life as a student, for instance, I was into productivity and getting more done and things like that. One of those incredibly annoying people. Um, but, uh, you know, I had a realization 10, 12 years ago now that the really cool thing about time is that we all have the exact same amount of it. 
we all have 24 hours a day. We all have 168 hours in a week. And so when you find these people who are doing amazing things professionally, and then you talk to them and you realize they are also doing very cool things in their personal lives. They're raising happy families. They're involved in their communities, whatever sort of athletic endeavor they're doing. These people do not have any more time than the rest of us. I'm not saying they don't have other things going for them. They may be smarter, richer, better looking than the rest of us, but they don't have more time. And so I think we can learn a lot by studying how they spend those same 24 hours a day that all of us have. And so I decided to start studying the schedules of people who were doing a lot with their time, both professionally and personally, to see what I could learn and, and to see what I could share with other people as well. Yeah. What was the biggest takeaway that you pulled from that exercise? Well, we talked about intentionality, about being mindful of where the time goes. And it is so easy to spend time mindlessly because it keeps passing, whether you think about where it's going or not. And, and that makes it different from something like money. It makes it different from something like uh, food tracking, you know, people who can write down what they eat and the calories they consume. Like it ha you have to make a choice to put something in your mouth. And in general, when you're spending money, you, you, you don't have a rent payment that you're unaware of. Like, I mean, it's there is more active choice in that. Whereas it's going to be 2 p.m. Tuesday on 2 p.m. Tuesday, no matter what you do, um, the time will keep going. And so that makes it more difficult to get a grasp on it. But the people who spend time well build in moments where they pause and look at life and say, how am I spending my time? Am I happy with this? Um, if I'm not, what am I going to do about it? What would I like to do more of with my time? What would I like to do less of with my time? And if you build in these moments of mindfulness and reflection, um, you can do amazing things with the 24 hours we all have each day. Yeah. Now, do you still track every half an hour? I know that's been a practice of yours for some time, and that's something you started doing a few years ago, right? Yeah, it's been almost five years now. I started tracking time in April of 2015. Um, so I do, in fact, know how I've spent every half hour since April of 2015. I am not going to sit here and bore your listeners with a recitation of it, <laughs> but um, it, it's been a good experience for me. It, it doesn't take much time. It just takes me a few minutes a day to do. So it's similar to keeping a journal. Yeah. Um, I tend not to add it up and analyze it in that way much anymore. I did for the first year. And then once I had pretty good broad parameter of where my time went, um, I didn't find it as useful to do the calculations over and over. Um, but for, at this point, it functions more as a record. You know, this is where my time went and I can look back on a week and sort of cement the memories or pull up a week from, who knows, you know, April, 2017. Like, what was I doing in April of 2017? Well, I can tell you. And when I look at it, I can remember. And memory is not that good. I mean, human memory is, is very fallible. It's, um, we tell ourselves all sorts of stories of the way things went down that they may not have happened. We, um, you know, but this, this record is complete of exactly what Laura did in that week of April, 2017. Yeah. And so it's there. I, I feel like time has been more rich and full because I'm able to conjure these things back up. Has it changed at all how you work going forward by knowing where you've been spending your time on every sort of half hour increments? Uh, it's definitely helped with planning my time and, and how I plan my weeks. Um, you know, one thing a lot of people discover when they track time is that they aren't working as many hours as they think they do. And this isn't about playing gotcha. It's more to recognize that 
um, if I know I'm working 40 hours instead of 50 hours, well, then I can be more careful about planning those 40 hours instead of assuming there are 10 extra hours somewhere that aren't there. Mm -hmm. Laura, I know you consult with a lot of organizations and with individuals on strategies for productivity and also around helping organizations adapt to an environment that allows for more workers to work from home. Talk a little bit about some of the most common challenges that you hear in maybe the corporate world and how you counter those. Because right now, people don't have a choice. If you have a job, you're probably working from home, right? So how, how can you make sure that you're managing the culture, at least over what hopefully is a short period of time? But how do you stay connected? How do you manage the culture? What's your advice for that? Well, the, the silver lining in all this is people have realized that, yes, in fact, you can work from home. And I have had people, you know, tell me in the past, like, oh, that remote work, that's very interesting. Of course, it would never work for us. I'm like, yeah, well, now we found out it will work for you. If your choice is your business disbanding or letting people work from home, like, you'll work from home. And police, places have kept going. Um, they've realized that whatever it was that they were doing in person can in fact mostly happen remotely too. Um, I think one of the key things people have to get their heads around is you can't manage by sort of looking to see that people are in their desks. And, and that is a ridiculous way to manage anyway. Like uh, who cares if somebody's in their desk? They're, they may be you know, reading headlines. They don't, you don't know that they're working by the fact that they're sitting in their desk. But if people haven't thought about it, they, they're in the mindset like, well, as long as somebody's in their desk from nine to five, then they've put in a good day. Well, you can't think that way anymore. You have to say, well, what tasks do I want my people working on uh, on any given day? Let's, let's make sure they know that what those tasks are. Let's make sure I know what those tasks are. Let's make sure those tasks are accomplished. People say, well, oh, well, you know, it's only, I, I don't want to only say you have four tasks. I want to know that you're using this extra time to think up stuff. Well, people who are engaged, who are engaged employees, they will come up with these open-ended projects for them to think of. They will say, okay, one of the things I want to accomplish today is spend an hour thinking about what-if scenarios for our business. Or, you know, I want to spend an hour thinking about if we were going to bring in another person, what we would want that person to do. Like, these are the sorts of things that people will come up with if you give them permission to propose things like that. So you just have to learn to manage in an entirely different way by task rather than time. Yeah. But that's so much more efficient. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How about as it relates to more creative pursuits? You know, it can be difficult to say to yourself, and I, you know, I consider what I, what I do now to be much more of a creative pursuit than what I did when I was in a corporate job or in a government job. There was creativity in those jobs, of course, but much more so now, and it's much more self-directed. So saying to myself, okay, I'm going to write this blog in X amount of time, or I'm going to do ideation in X amount of time, like sometimes you feel more creatively than other times. So how do you manage for that? How do you manage for creativity that sometimes is there and sometimes is not? Well, I think creativity is... Um, as much a practice as it is about inspiration. And some days you're not going to be on top of your game and that's fine. But if you keep trying, like eventually the good inspiration will, will come to you. So rather than say, you know, am I going to be inspired today or am I not? You say, well, I'm going to spend an hour each day working on this project, uh, come hell or high water. And if bring that hour inspiration strikes, awesome. 
If it doesn't, I will do some of the more mundane tasks related to it. Um, but by having that discipline, you are there and available when the good ideas do come to you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Laura, because you spend your time uh, with other people and helping them to use their time as effectively and efficiently as possible and get as much out of it as they can, what does impact for you mean in your work? How do you think about that concept of impact? Yeah, well, I feel like I am having an impact when I hear from people that they have made big choices with their lives to improve their lives um, because of something they have learned from my books or my podcasts or a speech I gave. And, and those are really wonderful emails to receive. I, I particularly love the ones where people have decided that false choices they have set for themselves are just that. They're false choices. They say, well, I didn't think I could go for that promotion because I have young kids. Right. So, well, who gave you that idea? Why, why did you decide that it was absolutely impossible in 168 hours in a week to manage a big career and a family? It's totally possible. And I show people how it is. And then they find out that it's great that they can, you know, be in touch with their ambitions and still have a full personal life. Too. So to me, that is impact. And I love hearing from people about that. Yeah, that's amazing. So, Laura, we also ask everyone who comes on the podcast for a single piece of advice, a life hack or mantra, you've already given us amazing advice, but if you had to boil it down to one thing that you always tell people, or maybe it's something that you repeatedly tell yourself, what is that? Well, one of my favorite phrases is whenever some, you say to yourself or somebody says to you, I don't have time to do X, Y, or Z, what they really mean is X, Y, or Z is not a priority for me right? It's not a priority. I don't have time really means it's not a priority. And often that is true. Like, I'm not saying that we necessarily want to say that directly to people. Um, but if somebody offered to pay you a million dollars for whatever it is that you're claiming you don't have time to do, it would probably rise up that priority list pretty quickly. Um, since that's not going to happen, you can acknowledge it's not about time. It's that you don't want to do it or you don't want to do it right now, or there's other things you'd prefer to get to right now. And that's fine. Um, but the reason to keep this phrase in mind is it puts you back in charge of your time. Um, and you can sit there and decide, well, is something a priority for me? And if so, it deserves to have space in my life. If it's not, let me just be honest about that and move on. Yeah. Laura, thank you for making time for us today. This is fantastic. And I hope that you and I will have an opportunity to meet in person and be in the same room and do a longer conversation for She Said, She Said when all of this is over. Yes, when we're not social distancing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we will include links to your website and to your terrific books and to the podcasts uh, that you do. You, you get a, a ton done in every single day. And we so thank you for spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening and for watching. To learn more about Laura Vanderkam, please check out our website at www.shesaidshesaidpodcast.com. There I will include links to Laura's website, as well as her fabulous books and her two podcasts and all that great stuff. All terrific resources for you as you think about how to navigate this interesting time and to use your time as efficiently and meaningfully as you possibly can. I hope you found this conversation helpful and useful. And I also hope you'll send me some feedback. I'd love to know what topics would be helpful to you right now or in the future. As always, thanks so much for being with us, for listening and for watching. Take care, be safe.